Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to This Week Explained, the independent geopolitical podcast that dives deep into the world's most pressing issues. I'm Tiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kervin. Here at This Week Explained, we aim to bring you all the weekly insights and analysis on events and trends that are shaping our global landscape. We're covering topics ranging from conflict to economics and to trade, and with a focus on delivering objective and informed perspectives, we want to offer a comprehensive understanding of these complexities of our dynamic and ever-changing world. And without further ado, Kervin, let's get on to what is on the agenda for this week. Let's do it. That's a good synopsis of what this podcast is all about. So here's what we're going to talk about. We've got Russia, Ukraine. You know, last week we just went all Russia. Yeah, we talked and what about the, Russia. the implications are. But now the rundown back to the old one. Russia, Ukraine. We're going to do the uh, Israeli offensive in Jenin. Um, we've got China's worrying commercial space exploration. Who should be worried? What is it? What does it mean? And then we will uh, talk about Nigeria's visit from the Chinese Navy and why that's important. And we'll finish it off. It sounds like we don't have a lot to get into, but there's a lot to discuss on these stories. The last one we'll do is the fact that South Korea got their hands on that North Korean spy satellite. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. That's funny. Well, let's get started. What is the latest in Ukraine? I had too much laughter in my voice when I asked mm. that question, and I apologize. I just yeah, think that South Korea got a hold of the North Korean spy satellite. Definitely. I think everybody listening knows uh, okay, it was okay. why you were laughing about that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so what's going on in, in Ukraine? And it's much of the same, minus the uh, potential coup that happened last week. But uh, it wasn't a potential coup. It was definitely a plot. Yeah, they, I mean, it was a plot somewhere. Definitely pl- they planned it together is what it feels like. But they wanted to yeah. make it seem like, never mind. Here I now go that again, off on my tangent. Now that, uh, like, Lukashenko came out and said that he's in Russia. Not Lukashenko, but... um. The Wagner boss guy. Yeah, uh, Prigozhin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's in Russia right now. Lukashenko confirmed that too. You were correct. That's what I just said. That's literally what I just said. Well, no, you said that Lukashenko, and then you said, wait, no, 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 Prigozhin. No. Oh, I thought you were saying that. No. No. You just don't listen to me. That is absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. All right. No worries. Um... So, so what's going on? Ukraine continues their counteroffensive. They have been making gains around Bakhmut. That's probably because the Wagner Group had to, you know, do some other things the last few weeks. Uh, now, Russia continues to lob missiles and send attack drones to various cities. One of those uh, cities is Lviv in Ukraine. It had relatively been quiet throughout the conflict there, but but it's now being targeted. 
And that city's very close to the border with Poland. So those the, the people in Poland are quite concerned about what's going on. So what are the implications of the Ukrainian counteroffensives in the Bakhmut area? Yeah, the Ukrainian counteroffensive has quite a few implications. One, if it's successful, it could force Russia to withdraw from its uh, from its positions in Donbass so that it can move over to the Bakhmut area. Um, if, if the Ukrainian military is able to continue its momentum, it could force Russia to withdraw from some of the territory it has gained in the recent months. That was done by the Wagner Group. That would be a significant setback for Russia, and it would give Ukraine a much-needed morale boost. But it could also lead to a follow-on with Ukraine, the Ukrainian military into Crimea, which would be a dr- like a drastic change in the war. But if Ukraine is successful and they launch an offensive on Crimea, what do you th- expect the response from Russia to be? Yeah, so I wish I had a good answer for that. We don't know right now. So the prevailing theory, it's one of my theories, is that um, the use of nuclear weapons or a a nuclear sabotage in Ukraine would then become very realistic. We're we're away from possibility to probability. Uh, As we've discussed before, Russia made changes to its nuclear deterrent policy, which allows Putin to use nuclear weapons in response to even a conventional strike targeting the Russian state. So that would include Crimea. I like how he changed it just so when he's like, I can use these. You got to change with the times, Tiana. No. <laughs> okay. Well, do you think that that's enough of a deterrent to Ukraine? And do you, I mean, do you think they won't attack Crimea? They're not going to actually attack Crimea, right? I mean, I still think if Ukraine is successful in pushing back the, the Russian military, they're going to definitely consider you know, using those gains to try to then hmm. uh, retake Crimea. The planning is there. They they want to do it. Okay, so what about the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant? There was a lot of chatter about a possible attack on that plant. Do you know what is happening there? Is it a legitimate fear that either Russia or Ukraine would destroy that plant? I mean, the, the fear is legitimate. That's 100%. But, like, we have been talking about this possibility for over a year now i feel like is is it beneficial to keep bringing up a possible attack or could that just be fear-mongering from russia and or ukraine as another possible deterrent to escalating the war in ukraine yeah i I think it's important to keep bringing it up i know a lot of people uh counter that that thought but i think it's important because talking about it as a potential deterrent well, I should say talking about it becomes the potential deterrent for anyone to actually carry out that attack. Gotcha. Uh, More people on their toes thinking that this is a possibility. They'll be, you know, they'll be watching out for it. Yeah, it, it's what we said when we started talking about Russia's possible full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Uh, not that it was possible to prevent the in- the invasion, but the fact that journalists, analysts, uh, open source accounts kept highlighting it so that when it did happen, you know, we've got this paper trail of how we got to where we are, and it doesn't allow someone like Putin to change the narrative on why it happened. So what do you think is the most likely outcome for the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant? Does it get attacked? And who do you think is most likely to destroy it? Well, first, I want to be clear that no one should actively seek out an attack on any nuclear power supply anywhere in the world. Uh, the, the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. It's a vital source of electricity for the region. 
Uh, recently, there was a simulation released for the possible fallout zones if the plant were destroyed, and that that's another added. deterrent too. Yeah. Right? Just Definitely. how far it would reach if someone was dumb enough to do that, dumb and selfish enough to do. Yes, that. and and listen to the fallout. So the radioactive cloud, from what they see, or from what the simulation showed, it would disperse over thirteen countries. That includes Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. It includes Belarus, Moldova, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland. So that entire eastern block of Europe would be devastated by it. Um, it, it's a very dangerous game to play. I know I have seen some pro-Russian accounts talking about uh, Zelensky and, and Biden formulating a plan to destroy it, to kill Russians. It's but not... kill lots of people, not just Russians. Exactly. And you can think what you want about elected officials and, and people in power. Um, I would say they're not stupid. Everything yeah. is calculated. Yeah, even they know. With, even when they make the wrong decisions, right? Mm-hmm. It's still calculated. It's a very dangerous game to play, and and it's even dangerous for a guy like Putin. So is this all just talk? I mean, right now it is. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. There are definitely ways Putin could protect the Russian people from potential fallout. Um, I think if that decision is made, he has two options. Uh, one we did see in some some pictures that were released and that's preparing the Russian people for radiation. There were these like radiation vans going around waiting in case something happened, or he could just evacuate Russians from potential fallout zones. Where is he going to send them? Siberia, the least fun part. (laughs) At least you live, I guess. Uh, And you're very cold for a very large portion of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would happen if Ukraine were the ones to attack the plant? Well, first, I mean, that's just to me, it's not probable. Right. But let's just, you know, hypothetical. Okay. Right. Like at the last ditch effort to stop the war. Um, if Ukraine begins to lose ground and an offensive in Kiev is successful, there could be a possibility that Ukraine does plan an attack on the plant just to stop the war effort. Just to say, we're done. Everybody get out. We're going to destroy this place so Russia can't have it. It's so not smart. Warn it. Yeah, that's yeah, not, it's not a smart plan. No, I wouldn't. No, I don't I see. I really don't see how they'd be able to do it without, you know, cluing everybody in. Like they yeah. have to let em, like the leaders of every single one of those countries in the zone to, yeah. you know, make. Sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I know what you're I trying to get to, at. It's I like trying to scroll back to see <laughs> like what the what the countries were. But I, we're not going to whatever. I mean, you'd have, yeah, you'd have to get in contact with all those nations. Right. Then you'd see a massive movement of Ukrainian people to a different location. Yeah, it's... I mean, and then Russia will be like, gee, I wonder what their plan is. Right. I wonder what they're going to do. I have no idea. This is a surprise. So right now, it's just the rhetoric. It's like rhetoric on both sides, Ukraine and Russia. Um, but it does have me a bit concerned because... You know, if both sides are talking about it, that means someone is actually planning it. Somebody is. Or maybe it just means they're just trying to come up with plan A, plan B, plan C kind of thing. How did you become the optimist in this uh, in this podcast? Well, I, mean, I don't want to fear longer, you know. That's true. That's enough, that's enough nuclear talk for now. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but didn't you see, you didn't see any of the news articles talking about how Russia 
um, Russia jets got into another fight with yeah. American drones. You want to you want to talk about that for a little bit? I've I mean, got yeah, the video I mean, and everything. It, I mean, since it's right. I mean, since we're talking about Russia, I figured now would be the time to mention it. You know, you can talk yeah. about it. Give us a rundown, so, buddy. So, uh, so yeah, I watched the video. Um, it's it's a lot less dumb, I would say, than the last time it happened, where the the planes were just clipped it. Yeah. Um, so on this one, they actually just um, dropped out some parachutes in its way to kind of get it off track, to get the drone off track. Right. Uh, nothing really came of it. It was just another aggressive action by Russia. More, you know, slap the slap the hands of the Russian military from the U.S. and say, "Hey, don't do that again." But they're going to do it again, right? And we're not going to resolve any of this through this petty back and forth of what is so your drone? It's like it's like kids. Yeah. It, yo, one hundred percent dropping parachutes. Okay. Well. Let's get to the other big story of the week, and that is that the Israel offensive on the Jenin camp. Did I say that right? How do yeah. I say that? Jenin, not Jenin, 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 Jenin. I want to make sure I pronounce things as correctly as possible, but sometimes my brain will let me do that. So, <laughs> what was the reasoning behind this operation, and where do the two sides stand right now? All right, let's do the quick answer first so the two sides are where they have been always so they're at odds they've always been at odds from the beginning of time and on the brink of a major conflict and that's with the support of iran on the palestinian side and then the u.s on the israeli side okay so there hasn't been any change there but why did israel decide to carry out this operation so they launched the operation because jenin had become a militant stronghold and tensions had increased after several Palestinian attacks on Israelis. Uh, the Israeli military claimed that militants had been basing fighters within that densely populated area in the camp, or it includes an area within the refugee camp that is Jenin. Um, it has a very long history of being a hotbed for militants with light weapons and they do now have a growing arsenal of explosive devices. So what is the significance of the Jenin refugee camp? So the camp plays a significant role in this conflict because it holds historical and strategic importance. So back during the, the second Intifada in 2000, things got really bad between Israel and Palestine. It became a hotspot for suicide bombers who were at the, the forefront of this uprising against the Israelis. Then in April of twenty of 2002, Israeli forces carried out a raid on the camp as a part of a bigger effort to crack down on areas where Palestinians had limited self-rule. Now, right now, so that's the history of the, of the camp. And then right now, Israel is getting really worried about the growing number of armed militants in the camp and how they're stockpiling weapons. Uh, they're claiming that the camp is being used as a base to plan and carry out militant attacks. They also believe that, Him that Hamas and Iranian-backed Islamic Jihad groups are funding these fighters in the camp. Uh, according to Israel, more than 50 shooting attacks since the start of 2023 have been linked to militants from the Jenin area. Uh, and I mean, get, almost half of the camp's population is said to have ties to either Him Hamas or... <laughs> you just cannot know. that word today. It's so weird. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's, I talk about it all the time, and this is the time that it wants know. to be like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 
so like I said, half of almost half the camp's population is either Hamas or Islamic Jihad from Iran. So it's a you tense it. situation. I, I needed to do it again for my own edification. Right, right. I am the same way. That's why I'm like trying to not say the name of the camp too much because I'm not clear on how to pronounce it because I've only seen it. <laughs> in articles you know i've never heard yeah. anybody actually say the word and you know it, it's in my um in my american brain i'm trying to anglicize it as much as possible and phonetically pronounce it you know i almost said letting your american get out letting my american out janine 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 that's <laughs> i almost said that too but you know okay Sorry. Once again, I cut you off. I am. I apologize. No, I, I was just saying that it's just a very tense situation between both the Palestinians and the Israelis. Okay. Well, is the operation still ongoing? Well, no. The operation did come to an end. The Israeli military withdrew its troops from the refugee camp. Uh, while the army claimed it inflicted heavy damage on militant groups, it still remains unclear whether there's going to be any long-lasting effect, if it's going to stop what's been going on in the camp. I can't say that 12 Palestinians were killed. That's also unclear if it was militants or terrorists or if it was just civilians that were killed. Okay, well, let's move on to outer space because it's been a while since yeah. we've gone to outer space and talk China's plans for its space mission. Um, we've discussed fairly frequently how China's military and government um are using space as a battleground or they want that to be the next battleground, you know? So now it seems like they are getting Chinese companies to participate as well. Should we be concerned? I don't even know I'm asking this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you should yeah. be concerned. Right. You shouldn't be scared or fearful right now, but yeah, concerned. Why Every, I mean, everyone should be concerned mm-hmm. about con- like future conflict in space. That's to include Russian, Chinese, Iranian... We should all be concerned that space is is sort of this next battlefield. Right. Um, it's especially true for the, like the U.S. military and its allies because a possible conflict with China would lead to increasing the conflict or increasing tensions in a conflict in space. Uh, right. That's uh, where a lot of our communication and tracking systems are held. Uh, now, as, as we all know, private, let's say quotes, private, Chinese companies mm-hmm. are just an extension of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, so I'm not really surprised that they would be involved in the space program. What is concerning is that China could get the upper hand in satellite deployment and could use various types of munitions to destroy U.S. satellite systems. And that's not going to affect just those fighting in a future war with China. It's going to be felt by civilians within the U.S. It would affect you know communication and stuff like yep. that here internet i don't even know what else surveillance all kinds yeah. of things You're so well is there anything people should be doing to protect themselves from a possible shutdown of critical satellite systems that's a it's a great question there's there's a few things Do that think people happen soon no not soon no, no no okay 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 yeah if you're i mean but if you're planning you, you want to be planning years plan in advance. In advance. Right. We don't want another, like, toilet paper shortage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, those were the days. No, yeah. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> the bad days. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of things. If you're listening to this, here are some of the things you can do. First, 
listen to trusted sources, not fear mongers that are trying to get money from you. Uh, sometimes call them grifters. All they want to do is scare you to get your money. Um, so if you find our analysis accurate, then keep listening and follow us for updates. Or if you have someone else, keep following that one. Now, I did uh, I did have a little joking with Ricky from Rickonomics that if the internet and communications does in fact shut down, we'll just start mailing the podcast episodes to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> On tape. On tape, yeah. Yeah, mixtape. No, I was thinking in like an eight track. Oh maybe. no, let's do yeah. that's too far back. Let's do far back. Let's just let's just stick with tapes. Right what here. did that? What did that girl call it? Oh, cassette. She call it cassette. Cassette. The, the cassette. We'll do a cassette tape. We'll do a cassette tape. <laughs> oh, well, I don't even want now to. we're done. We're done joking a little okay. bit. We'll get into some more jokes in the in the rest of this podcast. But I, I will say. You, you've got to have alternate communication methods because when the satellites start going down, communication is going to go down. So in case of a satellite system shutdown, yeah, you've got to have these alternate communication methods. Um, <laughs> this is something like two-way handheld radios. Those would be pretty good. Uh, what, what I would call terrestrial-based landlines, what you see a lot right now are... With, even with landlines, is that they're not terrestrial-based, they're not Earth-based, because they're still voice over IP, voice over internet protocol. It's still based off of satellite. Can't have okay. that. Right. Um, or we could all just hope that Elon Musk's internet-based commu- communication platform, Stays. Starlink, yeah. isn't affected. And um, he's been pretty good with, uh, with it being effective in Ukraine, so that that may help us out a little bit. Yeah. Come on, Elon. Looking at Thanks, you. Elon. Kid. Stop screwing Twitter up and get to this. <laughs> also, I think people should stock up on on essential supplies. Um, that's going to be very good during a prolonged shutdown. Uh, get those things. So that's food, water. Medication is very important. Uh, make sure you, you always got your 90 days of medication. We always did that going on a deployment. We did up to 90 days after the deployment, just in case we were stuck there. Uh, those, So yeah, those are some of the necessary items to have. Um, and as we always say, have multiple contingency plans. So prepare and practice those contingency plans. Like, you know, we did sometimes at Bragg. Oh, yeah. Really. That's that, kind of fun, though. Yeah, if you that remember Ryan and Misty. No, I do remember they would... Wait. What, what, what were you going to say about Ryan and Misty? Well, I was just saying that they were much better at practicing it. Cause oh, yeah. Remember, we wake up at like 3 a.m., 0300, and they'd be outside <laughs> running around. Making... I, don't know if they were, I don't know if they would be running around. But... Oh, Ryan was. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. anyways, <laughs> I don't even know why I went off on that tangent, but <laughs> yeah, we used to practice contingency plans for different um, things that could have yeah. happened. All different scenarios. Yeah. We did, like, do the fire alarm thing. My parents used to do the fire alarm thing. They would hold a fire or a smoky candle underneath the smoke detector at various times throughout the night. And then we'd have to perform our fire safety stuff. Yeah, We do that in this house now, but that's just because I leave the candles lit while we're asleep. 
Yeah. But then at 2 a.m., the fire alarm goes off, and now we know <laughs> what we would do in the case of that. Oh, my gosh. Always yeah. be prepared. Um, Always be prepared. I'll also say that we've become so reliant on GPS and navigation, me included. Oh, me for sure. So it's it's a best practice to get some maps, have them ready. Also, you can't just have the maps. Be sure you know how to understand the map as well or be with somebody that does understand. But I would also say don't count on somebody else to do it. Always be prepared yourself. Um, in saying all of this, I want to reiterate we're not there yet. It's not, you know, you asked yeah. if we're, if we Close should be doing this. this. Yeah, um, it's years ahead, uh, from now. But these are just practical steps to take. They're great for any future loss of communications during a storm, anything like that, or any sustained critical infrastructure attack. You were mentioning like the two-way yep. radio things. Did, what, what, what were the phones that had that feature built in? Oh, it was uh, Nextel. And then it went to yeah. Sprint. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm glad you remember that. But those phones that had like the two-way already built into the phones, those saved us during Katrina. Yep. Yeah, they were. phones didn't work at all. And obviously nothing worked. <laughs> all the infrastructure was down. And so that that's how we stayed in contact with a lot of people were with those next telephones. Definitely. And and I don't think they promoted them the right way. They were very geared towards like contract, like construction zone mm-hmm. contractors and stuff like that to have your walkie talkie or two way radio. But in an emergency, it like you said, during Katrina, mm-hmm. the perfect time to have it. You could actually communicate with people. But anyways, so you're saying this is not the time to go full prepper mode. No, and not at all. You don't have to go full prepper to be prepared if you like to do that kind of stuff that's your yeah. your personality that's something you identify yeah. with do it go for it um it's a good hobby to have but you if you're not that way you don't have to do that you can protect right. yourself your family and your community by just making sure you have the essentials and you know your plan for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, thank you for that clarification. Let's move on to the continent of Africa, where it seems like China is attempting to increase its influence, especially in the Western Sahel. So what is the update with the Chinese Navy and the government of Nigeria? They're besties now? Uh, Yeah, it looks that way. <laughs> this week, the, the PLN or the Chinese Navy made a rare port visit to Lagos, Nigeria. That is pro- that is the economic hub of Nigeria. It's also a port city. Um, this is seen as a significant development in the growing relationship between, um, or I'm sorry, I should say in the growing tensions between Beijing and the United States. So the goal here, if, uh, if you're looking at why they're doing this, is to address maritime security threats in the area and maintain the stability in the Gulf of Guinea. So that's the official, um, from Nigeria and from China, the official statement on what this is about. Is it Guinea? Uh, Gulf of Guinea, yeah. Is that really? Or not, I'm sorry, Guinea. Oh, well, I I'm just, I didn't know that that's how you pronounce it, because every time I look at that word, I'm like, Guinea? Guinea, yeah. Well, yeah, Guinea pigs. Yeah. But yeah, Gulf of Guinea. 
Pinay. Sorry. Cool. And then it all depends on where you're from, how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, like most things, I guess. Yeah. Um, so like I said, that's the official word. Many analysts within Africa that are uh, are seen as very neutral within the continent of Africa believe that Nigeria should actually embrace this partnership to effectively respond to security challenges that they have from terrorists in the in their country. Um, also, other terrorist organizations that are infiltrating their borders from other areas. That makes sense. I mean, it is certainly important for Nigeria to diversify its partnerships beyond just Western countries. Yeah. But I've heard some speculation that China might be considering establishing a naval base in the Gulf of... Uh, now I can't Guinea. Well, I really just want to say Guinea. Yeah. <laughs> Guinea. Because... Because we have guinea pigs, y'all. We have two guinea pigs, and that's why my brain's not allowing me to say this correctly. But anyways, is there any truth to these claims? Uh, what could be the potential implications, especially from a security perspective? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely been speculation regarding China's true intention, which is to establish a naval base in the Gulf of Guinea. Uh, while the stated public objective of the visit is to enhance maritime security, some believe that there may be some undisclosed objectives, obviously, um, and that would be establishing a diplomatic base in West Africa, in Nigeria, one of Af- it's I would say West Africa's richest nation is Nigeria. Um, so that would be a, a good spot for China to put that. And that's a huge concern for, for Western nations, other countries, including where we're at in the United States. Have you ever been to Nigeria? Uh, no, I've been all around the borders of it. I never got to go into Nigeria. I would love to. Lagos is supposed to be beautiful, very yeah. um, amazing port city. So I would love to go. Right. Well, maybe you can. Maybe if, one day you if you're If you're listening from Nigeria and you would like to host a podcast. Oh, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Okay. <laughs> Could you... Um, could you um, elaborate more on the potential motives behind China's interest in establishing a naval base in the Gulf of Guinea? I did it. You did it. <laughs> what are the risks and um, benefits for China? And how does that tie into the broader efforts to expand its influence in Africa? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this. So, like, we're China's, to the rich people. <laughs> China's interest in expanding its influence in Africa to include that naval base, is driven by the need to protect its already extensive investments on the continent. Um, They've made substantial economic investments in African countries in various sectors. This includes Nigeria, right? We've we've talked about it. There are resources within Africa that China needs to make chips, to make devices, um, things like that. So safeguarding those. Yes, lots of technology. Technology. They definitely do love. (laughs) (laughs) Not as much as they love money. I was gonna. That's very true. And we got a little uh, Napoleon Dynamite for the podcast. I I was gonna start singing the original version of it, but I'm like, that doesn't fit here because I don't know if China loves La Fonda. Mm, They might, but China needs to. I don't even know. Where we're going with this? So let's get back on track here. Yeah, we're... sorry, I'm I'm starting to think about like my gears are turning in my brain, thinking about other things that I need to do today. 
like my to-do list. <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to. Will you delete that to-do to list. list? Yeah, I need and to delete that to-do list in my brain. Okay. Let's get back. It's, to yeah, track. let's get back. Get back on track. I apologize. Again, so, this is like the first uh, time today. It's your lucky day. Me apologizing over and over again. Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll do my apologizing. Yeah. Off air. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, China needs to safeguard their investments in Africa. That's why they're doing so. So, to do that, China aims to ensure the stability of its interests. It wants to protect its oil and gas production hubs, and that is directly in the Gulf of Guinea. So, it's very important to them. Well, thank you for shedding light on all of these matters. It's really astonishing to see the intricate dynamics at play between China the U.S. and the entire continent of Africa and, you know, how it affects the larger geopolitical landscape. Um, it'll be interesting to follow the developments and see how Nigeria handles this situation and balances its relationships with both China and other Western nations. I mean, yeah, it's certainly a complex situation and we're going to continue to monitor it. We've got to monitor the evolving relationship between China and Nigeria, plus Nigeria and other Western nations, and then China and those Western nations. And that's going to be crucial going forward. All right, let's move on to Korea. We discussed previously North Korea's failed satellite launch. Now, South Korea is saying that they have recovered that spy satellite because I know they were talking about trying to recover it. Yeah. Um, whenever it failed. Do you know what they found or is that going to be classified? For all of it's, us over here, it's it's hard to say. You know, based on my experiences, some details are going to be classified for security reasons. Oh, uh, but I have some good news for you, Tiana. Yes, I'm so nosy. Let's hear. Yeah. It. <laughs> South Korea's military did release a statement saying that after analyzing parts of the satellite, they have assessed that it had no military utility <laughs> as a reconnaissance satellite. So I know you wanted you. That's <laughs> what you wanted to hear. That's exactly what they gave you. So it seems like the satellite didn't serve its intended purpose. What were the major findings from the analysis? All right. According to South Korea, the reconnaissance capability of the equipment was poor in terms of tracing targets. Uh, they also mentioned that the optical device loaded on the satellite was the part that was not suitable for military use. There was no way. iPhone camera. Probably even worse than that. It was, uh, um, yeah, okay. uh, it was a Nokia phone yeah. camera. It was an Nextel. Nextel phone. <laughs> two-way communication device. Yeah, that's how they yell at it through their two-way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's super interesting that they, you know, built this up, made it mm -hmm. seem like it was a huge achievement. So I would have thought that North Korea would have developed a more advanced satellite before they fired off at the mouth like that. Right. So what are the implications of this failed launch for regional security? Well, even the failed launch itself is concerning because it does violate international law and UN Security Council resolutions. Uh, it shows that North Korea is, even though it failed and there's no military application to it, it does show that North Korea is continuing to its pursuit of satellite launches. It's always been a topic of concern due to their potential dual-use capabilities because it can communicate with ballistic missile technology. Um, the fact that the satellite was found to have no meaningful military use does kind of alleviate some immediate security concerns, but it still showcases North Korea's ongoing efforts 
to enhance its capabilities, especially in this area. I'm sure that Kim Jong-un appreciates your positive spin on this failure. He's always calling me. He's always calling you. He's like, can you, like, hook me up with some positive press, please? Herbert, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? That, no by one the way, it's not true. Yeah, no one falls up. I mean, it's worrying to think about the potential capabilities North Korea could develop if they were successful in launching an effective military reconnaissance satellite. Um, do you think they will make another attempt in the future? Oh, for I sure. Mean, uh, yeah, They've, they're not one and done. No, they're not a one and done country. No. They've expressed their intention to develop military reconnaissance satellites. Um, recent upgrades to its satellite launch station indicate that they may be preparing for another attempt very soon, mm-hmm. um, maybe by August, September time frame. Oh, wow. Okay. The failure of this launch may, I say may, prompt them to learn from their mistakes. That could be devastating for the international community because um, then they would make necessary improvements for a future launch. So it's something that we are going to be monitoring and everybody needs to monitor. Oh, well... I do hope that the international community continues to address North Korea's actions to prevent any further advancements in their satellite launch program. As Kim Jong-un has been more brazen in his actions towards South Korea, the U.S., and even Japan. Absolutely. I think maintaining stability and addressing North Korea's actions are the the top priority or should be the top priority for the international community. It's something we are going to continue to do research on and, and call out. Because we love running our mouths. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm just as yeah, good as do. Kim Jong got it. <laughs> just kidding. They look, all the international community condemned the launch. They said it was a violation of international law. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be crucial for these, all these geopolitical players to continue diplomatic efforts. Let's not get into a armed conflict, especially now with North Korea. Um, yeah. We've got to deter further advancements in. Got to ensure, got to ensure regional security. That's you know Japan, North South Korea, all of that. Well, thank you, Kervin, for that insight. Is that all for this week? Yeah, that's it. Unless you have something you would like to add. Um. Well, I think we should start mentioning that con that we will be going to in. Was it November or October? Oh, in November. Yes, I, I can do that. Yeah, you should mention the con. We have, this is something new that we we were invited to a military influencers con. I'm laughing because obviously I'm not military. I'm just the tagalog. I'm the plus one. No, so, okay. <laughs> well, I will stop you there because, yeah, let me start by saying it's the military influencers conference we were, we were asked to attend. Um, I will be doing a panel at the Military Influencers Conference, but they do designate um, military spouses and veteran spouses as a key uh, a key person within the military community. And I, I have always said, and I'm not even going to joke around right I'm now. Trying to get, like, smoke blown up my butt. No, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I have, I have always said, and it's not just you, I think that military spouses are are like the most important person within the circle of the veteran. If you have a good spouse, then your your mental health issues can be dealt with in a proper avenue. Um, if you don't have a good spouse, then you can spiral even easier than you would when you were alone. So I had a very good military spouse. 
<laughs> and I, I know a lot of my friends and a lot of couples that we know have very good military spouses as well. Right. And so I, I really want to promote that. Well, I get that, baby, but we're supposed to be talking about the con. So let's oh. talk about the con. We don't yes. need to talk about how you think I played an integral part during things because, I mean, obviously I had to keep my crap together and raise <laughs> our children. <laughs> yeah, by yourself most of the time. Yeah, it was fine. Um, we did all right. So, yeah, yeah. it's the... Sorry, <laughs> cut you off. No, 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 I wasn't saying anything of note. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, the Military Influencers Conference is in Las Vegas, Nevada in November. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a military, if you are a veteran or you are still in the military and you want to attend, I'll put it in the show notes on how you can right. get tickets to this conference. And um, maybe we can meet. Definitely. I'd love to meet anyone who's listening who will go to the conference. Let us know um, yeah. so that we can hang out. For sure. That would be fun. Just wanted to throw that in there. I figured we should start promoting that since it's coming up pretty soon. Definitely. And you get to go to Vegas three times this year. Are you super pumped? It'll be your third oh, time. I mean, time there, was, there was a time in our marriage where that was what we would have loved <laughs> three yeah, times. You're like, Vegas. I do not, I do not want to. And, and anyone listening in Vegas, I love, still love Vegas, but... Yeah, it's just good in small doses. And yeah. He's just not looking forward to a trip that he has to take that's three and a half weeks or something. Yeah, it's going to be long. But um, we're going to keep the pod... Like we said, we're going to keep the podcast going, but it'll be on Saturdays now. Oh, yeah. That's another thing we need to mention is, you know, traveling is about to occur and our schedules are not going to align perfectly. So we will be releasing the podcast on Saturdays yes. for the month, but not this one. No, this one. We're good. The next yeah, good. the next episode may be on Saturday. Yeah. I'll have to check the schedule. Yeah. But anyways, is that all that you have for this week? That is. And I, I appreciate your additions. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. And then we just stopped the podcast. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that you found it both informative and engaging. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. Tiana, and to anyone still listening... <laughs> <laughs> at this point in the podcast you you guys that are listening and tiana you are the real heroes um thank you so much yes you're welcome for you're a superhero you're my, yeah uh until next week as i always say and i do mean it stay safe out there without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> 